God, once again we come this morning and we are just so thankful to be in this place. God, we're thankful to be in your house with, with others in our, in, our, in our family, God. God, I pray that as we move forward today that you would just continue your movement through this series that we would continue to be challenged and we'd continue to be changed as we become disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. God, once again, would you speak through me this morning? Would it not just be my human words talking to, to other human beings, God, but would this be your words talking to your people in your place on your day because this is all for you. God, we love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been on a journey, haven't we, over the last while? <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a good long series here in Multiply. Uh, but this, this back half of Multiply has really been really cool for me, uh, and I've heard from many others it's been cool for them just to go through the story of Scripture. Right? We started in the Old Testament, and we began to just go through what is, this, what is, this, what is the story of God? Because if we're going to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and if we're going to be people who are able to tell the story of God, then we need to know the story of God. And so we have been spending time going through the Old Testament and all the covenants in the Old Testament and how God relates to people in the Old Testament. And now last week we jumped right into the New Testament and probably the best place ever to jump into the New Testament, just talking about Jesus. Jesus being our good shepherd, a good shepherd who guides and protects and, and, and corrects us and, and gives us grace, right? This good shepherd that is yours and is mine, I challenge you to get to know the voice of the shepherd. And this morning we're going we're gonna to kind of continue on as, and we're going to read some words Straight from the voice of the shepherd. The, words, the, the last words that he gave his disciples on the earth before he ascended into heaven. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. If you want to go to Matthew chapter 28 with me, we're going to be there quite a bit this week. This Great Commission is probably a, a pretty... Uh, some of you may know this. You, you've heard this before. You've heard the Great Commission. You've heard what Jesus says to his disciples. But I want to kind of look at this in, in, a, in a somewhat different lens this week. And I want to look at this, and we've looked through the Old Testament, all the covenants that God has made with his people, and his people entering this covenant with God. I, I almost want to make this Great Commission this morning a covenant that we make as a church with God and with each other. That this, this, the, the final instructions of Jesus Christ will become our mission, will become our vision, will become our goals. This is what we're going to be all about. God, you told us to do this, and this is what we're going to do. I read a quote from, from Francis Chan this week, and he said, uh, you know, we play Simon Says, and Simon Says to do this or do that, and we do this or we do that. And he said, and Jesus says, go and make disciples and we memorize that verse. Now think about that. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And what do we do? We, we memorize that verse. I want it to be more than just a verse that we memorize. I want it to be part of who we are. I want it to be this covenant that we're making as a church and with each other with God this morning. And so let's read, let's read this. In Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. Here's what it says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, meaning Jesus, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. 
But I want you to see this. Even at this moment, right, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Think about this. After everything that they've just seen, they go to the mountain, they see Jesus. Some are worshiping him, but there are some others that doubt it. And then Jesus came to them and he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. The last words, and this is the end of Matthew. These are the very last words of the book of Matthew. Go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them everything that you have been commanded. Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The last words of Jesus. Now I want us to, like I said, I want us to think about this in a little different way this morning. I don't, I'm not just going to well, I'm just going to do this. I think there's really three aspects of this thing that we, can, that we can see and we can kind of commit to this morning. Here's the first thing that I want us to see here and I want us to commit to this morning. I want us to be a church that trusts in the authority of Christ. Jesus starts off this great, this, this great commission with, by saying this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? I think this is, this is really the key. He, Jesus starts off this great commission with this phrase, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And this is actually a theme in the book of Matthew, right? The book of Matthew actually talks about the authority of Jesus ten times. And it's, it's usually always paired with, with Jesus doing something powerful. Right? And, and here's, what we get, here's what we know from this, right? You can have all the strength and the power in the world, but if you don't have the authority to use it, it's meaningless. Jesus is saying here, I have all the power. You've seen everything that I have done, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have the authority. I don't just have the power. I have the authority. See, the, the authority of Jesus is, is really two things. It's universal authority. Right? Jesus has the power and the authority over diseases. Right? We see it all through Scripture. We see Jesus healing the, the blind men, and you see him touching people's ears and they can hear again. We see him hanging out with the lepers and their skin disease is gone. We see Jesus having authority over all these diseases. We see Jesus having authority over all the demons. This is probably the most common one that we read in Scripture. Casting out demons from people. Right, you read in, in Matthew and some of the Gospels, Jesus coming into contact with demons, and the demons already know who he is. He has the authority over these demons. Right? We know that he has that authority. We, have, we know he has the authority over sin. We, not, and not only just to forgive sin, but to judge sin both. Jesus has authority over sin. He has authority over suffering. Right? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have the authority over suffering. I have the authority over your burdens, over your pain. I have this authority. Right? He has the authority over nature. Right? We read some of the miracles in Scripture of Jesus calming the storms. Jesus basically standing up in a boat and saying, be still, and the waves subside, and the boat is safe. He has the authority over nature. Even the Old Testament. What do we read in the Old Testament? God having authority over nature. Right? He, he brings manna down every day to take care of his people. 
And God has always had authority over nature. Jesus is saying, I have the authority over nature. And, and in Daniel chapter 7, it's prophesied that Jesus has the power over the nations as well. Jesus has the power over the nations. I think Psalm, Psalm 148 really sums this up really well. I'm just going to read this. And just think about all the authority that Jesus has over all of these things in Psalm 148. Psalm 148 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all the angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. There's not much missing in this thing. Jesus has the authority over, over literally everything. Jesus' authority is universal. But it's not only universal, it's it's purposeful. Right? Jesus doesn't say in this verse, all authority, has been, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's not, just, he's not just saying this just to brag. And he's not saying this in an authoritarian, dictatorship kind of way. It's not, I have the authority, so now you do this. Right? We know from the end of that verse of Jesus promising to always be with us, that, that he's planning on doing this together. Right? This, 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 I have all the authority, is basically saying this. I have everything that you will need to succeed in your mission under my authority. Now go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I'm going to be with you. He's not just saying, I, I have all this power. I have all this authority. I'm in charge. We know that he is in charge. But we're not, this isn't, a, this isn't out of duty. This is a partnership with Christ. That we do this together. In John chapter 15, one of the other I am parts of John that we talked about last week. John chapter 15, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And in this, in this, in this portion of Jesus, what he's saying, in these, these words of the shepherd, if you will, what he's saying here, in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 15 in John. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I'm going to read this again, and I want you to think about this. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying here, I have all the authority. 
Now go and make disciples, but I'm going to be with you. I have everything that you will need to succeed in this mission that I am giving you. Now go. Now here's, the, here's my thought that I was having this week. Our success is not dependent on anything that I can do or anything that you can do. It's not dependent on even what we can do together. Our success is based 100% on who Jesus is and what he has already accomplished and what he is going to be doing through us. This is where our success comes from. Our success is based in the authority of Jesus Christ. And so we're committing this morning to be a church that that holds tight and, and relies on the authority of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a church who takes the Great Commission seriously. We believe in the authority of Jesus Christ. And we don't just believe in it. We live under it. We act under it. Everything that we do is out of the, out of the authority of Christ. Here's the second thing we get from the Scripture, from the Great Commission, and the second commitment I want to make with you this morning. Not only will we be a church that relies on the authority of Jesus Christ, we're going to be a church that obeys the strategy of Christ. We're going to be a church who obeys the strategy of Christ. Now before we jump into verse 19 and 20, I want to just look at the Gospels real quick. Because in the Gospels, we see the, the contrast between the strategy of Jesus Christ and even the strategy of, of the disciples. Right, what happens? Jesus comes to, to a group of about 5,000 men, not including women and children. They're hungry. Jesus, it says in the Scripture, has compassion on them. It's not just a, a little compassion. It's like compassion from, from the deepest part of who he is kind of compassion. He has compassion on them. He wants to, wants to help these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd, the Scripture says. Well, the disciples say, send them home. That way they can eat. What does Jesus say? You feed them. You feed them. And what happens? The disciples, do they have the authority to turn, turn bread and fish into baskets and baskets of food? No. They bring them what they have. Jesus blesses it under his authority. And at the end of the day, there are basketfuls of bread and fish to go around. See the strategy here. Jesus is about compassion. Jesus knows the authority that he has. The disciples just can't quite see it. Send them home. That way they can eat. I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do, Jesus. Like, I, they didn't bring food. We didn't bring food. I don't know what's going to happen here, God, but this is going to be like one of those things that people talk about for years and years. Hey, remember that time that everybody went out to hear Jesus and starved? No. Jesus says, I have compassion. It's not just a little compassion. I have a deep sense of compassion for these people. You feed them. Bring me what you have. I'm going to bless it, and we'll all go home full. Right? Jesus is all about just compassion and love. And the disciples, I mean, even in Luke chapter 9, the disciples uh, aren't, aren't quite accepted in the community. And they, they pray like they're asking Jesus, Jesus, can we just pray and just rain down fire from heaven on this community? Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not going to do that. Not going to do that. 
Jesus says, hey guys, I need to, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And there's Peter over on this side who says, Jesus, you know, as your, as your PR rep, I think that's a bad idea. We're not going to let you do this. Not, not on my watch, Jesus. I'm not going to let you die here. If anybody's going to die, it's going to be me. I'm going to take it for you. And Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. You don't have the authority to say what I can do and what I can't do. I have this authority. I lay down my life for everybody. This is my authority. You see this contrast. Jesus using the authority that he has to love people, to have compassion on people. And the disciples just not quite, not quite getting it. Trying to do it their own way. And don't get me wrong, the disciples are good guys. Like even when they were calling down fire from heaven, it was for the glory of God. It was so the glory of Christ would be made known. That, that hey, this God that we talk about is a real thing. Here, we'll prove it to you. Bam! Right? This is, this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to, to they're, doing, they're not just doing this out of like malice. They're not doing this out of hate for this community. They're doing this because, because Christ has been rejected. And the glory of Christ must be made known. And so let's rain down fire on these people. Jesus says, uh uh-uh. uh. Just made me think this week. How often in the last 2,000 years have we just tried to do it on our own? Have we tried to, to not necessarily go with the strategy of Jesus Christ, go and make disciples of all nations? You go to the Christian bookstore, you go to Lifeway today, this afternoon, and you can just go through the, I think the state, the, the, honestly the section might even be called like church strategy or something like that. There are so many different books and so many different strategies of how to reach people for Christ. Here's what I know about the strategy of Christ. Go and make disciples. Here's what I know about this strategy. It never changes. The what never changes. We are called to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. This is what we are called to do. This is the what. The how always changes. The how changes with cultures, and it changes with people, and it changes with different... <laughs> you're not going to share Christ with someone the same way here as you would at the store, or as you would at the bank, or as you would somewhere else. You're going to want to get to know their story, right? The, the how always changes, but the what never does. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. This is the what. This is the strategy of Jesus Christ. This is, this is the, the strategy. And so, so the disciples and, and we really have, have two, two options. Remember, these are the last words that Jesus says to his disciples on the earth. Go, I, I have all the authority. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Now go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The disciples really have two options at this point. One, they can do their own thing. And again, out of a good heart, out of a good place, they want, to see this, they want to see this keep going. But two, they can follow this directive of Jesus. Jesus. 
they can follow what, what Jesus is, is calling them to do. I mean, this, this, even this word, this, this go, is a participatory word, right? This is all of you all. <laughs> go. Make disciples. This, this is a command. Make disciples. But Pastor Chris, I just don't know how. I don't know how to make disciples. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to share the story of God. I talk about this movie all the time, Evan Almighty. If you haven't seen it yet, you should really see it because I'll probably keep talking about it. And there's this one scene that I keep referring to. It's, in, it's Evan's wife and his two kids in this restaurant. And Morgan Freeman, who plays God in this movie, becomes their waiter. And he comes to them and he he says, is there anything wrong? And, of course, he's God. He knows something's wrong. And she begins to open up to him. And, she says, and he says this to her. Now, if you were to pray for patience, does God give you patience? Or does he give you opportunity to be patient? If you're praying for courage, does God give you courage? Or does he give you opportunities to be courageous? Now, I want you to think about this. If you had the opportunity tomorrow to lead someone to Christ, do you have a plan? Could you do it? And if the answer is no, there's probably two reasons why. Number one, you, you weren't planning on leading anyone to Christ tomorrow. Or number two, if you did lead him to Christ, you're just going to leave him hanging. There's got to be a plan here. There's got to be a structure here. We need to be able to, to know how, we need to be able to know what we're doing as we lead people to Christ. But here's the other thing. Say, Pastor Chris, I don't know anybody that's not a Christian. Who am I supposed to lead to Christ? Here's the thing. You need to be intentionally places where people don't know Christ. We're not called to have a holy huddle as Christians. You're not called to only know other Christians. You need to be intentionally getting out of your comfort zone and meeting people who don't know Christ and sharing Jesus with them. Does that mean you lead off a conversation like that? Hey, do you know Christ? Maybe. But more often than not, what it means is getting to know people who don't know Christ and letting them see Jesus in your life. But here's the thing. This needs to be an intentional thing. Going and making disciples is, is an intentional thing. This is a command of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Go is a, is a word that, that connotates movement. You've got to actually do something. You've got to go somewhere and make disciples. Go somewhere. Meet people who don't know Christ. Share your life with them. Share your story with them. Share Jesus with them. Let them see Jesus in you. This is how we make disciples. This is what Francis Chan meant. When he says, Simon says, touch your nose. And you touch your nose. Jesus says, go and make disciples. And we memorize that verse. We need to be intentional about going out knowing people who don't know Christ and sharing life with them. We're not called to be isolated as Christians. We're not called to only be together in a holy huddle in the world, but not of the world. We've heard that, right? Insulated, not isolated. 
We need to go out and meet people. Sorry, that was a soapbox there. Here's the last thing. As a church, we need to commit to be people who depend on the presence of God. People who depend on the presence of God. I asked you, I think it was a month ago now, maybe five weeks ago now, are you desperate for the presence of God? As we looked at Moses. Are you desperate for the presence of God? Are we desperate as a church for the presence of God? And here's the, here's the whole, I love, I love that he ends Matthew with this. Surely I'll be with you always. Because how does Matthew begin? Matthew begins with the, with the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is given a name. And what is it? His name is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So God is with us in the beginning of Matthew, in the beginning of the Gospels. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, Jesus is with, he's with us, God with us. In the middle of the Gospels, Jesus is constantly with his disciples. He's with them. He's teaching them. He's, he's with people who, who don't believe, and he's teaching them. He's, he's with them. He's healing them. He's physically touching the people that he shouldn't touch. He is with us. He's with humanity. And then he's not. Because he goes to the cross and he dies. And for three days, he's in the grave. And on the third day, he rises again, and God is with us. And then he's not, because he ascends into heaven. But he is. And John, and John, it says that it's better. I, I need to go. It's actually better that I go, because I'm sending you the advocate. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And now you have the Holy Spirit, God, with us. But at the end of Matthew chapter 28, surely I will be with you Always, even to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. We are promised over and over and over again in Scripture that God will never leave us, He'll never forsake us. God is always with us, God is always by our side. We sang today, God is fighting for us. Right, this is, these are promises of Scripture that God is, is with us. Why does, God need, why does Jesus need to say this again before he leaves? Could he not just leave it at go, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them? Couldn't that have been the end of it? We're already promised all through Scripture that God is going to be with us always. We, we know from Scripture that Jesus said, it's better that I go anyways because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Why would I need to say, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age? And here's why. Because apart from the presence of God, you and I will have no impact on our world. You and I can have no success in this mission that Jesus has given us to go and to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them. We will have no success in that mission apart from the very presence of Jesus Christ that he promises here in the same passage. You and I need to be dependent as a church on the presence of God. And if we will not be dependent on that presence, we will be stuck and we will be unsuccessful in our mission. There will be no disciples made at Fresno First Church. I don't know about you, but that's not the story I want people to tell about this church. 
They just couldn't do it. They couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't make disciples. That's how the story God is telling through this church. We will be a church who depends on the authority of Jesus Christ and who obeys the strategy of Jesus Christ to go and to make disciples of all nations. And we will be a church who depends so, so deeply on the presence of Jesus Christ that we cannot imagine anything we do outside of that. This is the commitment that I want to make with you this morning. We talked through the Old Testament, all the covenants that God made with his people. I want to make this covenant with God this morning. Fresno First Church will be a church that follows the Great Commission. We will go. We will make disciples of all nations. We will baptize. We will teach them everything that you have commanded us. Because you have the authority. And because we depend so, so wholly on that authority. We trust that you will be with us to the very end of the age. And we believe that. We claim that this morning. If that's you this morning, if you're willing to commit that with me, would you just stand? As you stand, <laughs> as you stand I just want to pray a prayer over all of us that we would be a Great Commission kind of church, that we would be a church that goes and that makes disciples of all nations, that baptizes people, that teaches people, and is so dependent on the presence of God that we can't imagine anything but. Let's pray. God, God, you see us here in this place. God, this morning we, we commit to you, we covenant with you this morning, God, that we are going to be a great commission church. That you have the authority, you have all the authority in heaven and on earth, God, and we, out of that authority, because you are with us, God, we are going to go. And we're going to make disciples of all nations. We're going to be baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be teaching them everything that you've commanded us, God. This is what we are called to do. This is the strategy of Christ. God, we commit to you and we commit to each other to follow that this morning. God, would you help us with that? God, would you give us opportunities this week to be a Great Commission kind of church? Would you give us opportunities this week to share, to share your story and to share our stories? Would you give us opportunity to minister this week? Would you give us opportunity to lead someone to Christ this week? That's what it's all about. God, we love you. And we praise you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you're standing, would you just, uh, let, me, let me say a prayer of blessing over you before we go. Just reach out your hands and just receive this. May the God of all glory and of all peace, the God who sends you and he sends me, not alone, but in his authority and his presence, may that same God go with you, go ahead of you, be in your workplaces, be in your homes, that he might be a light in and through you and you might make a difference wherever you may find yourself this week. Go in peace. Go in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Go. Cool.